In Session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Halakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Halakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, studio number 310-4410555. Wanted to make another announcement for my seminar that is next Sunday. May 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection here in Los Angeles. Admission is $40 at the door, and the topic is communication for parenting and relationships. I'm going to talk about the ways we can improve our communication in these most important relationships in our life as parents with our children and in our romantic relationships. And there's definitely lots of overlap because there's some techniques and Uh, concepts of communication that are true with whoever we're communicating with. But looking forward to doing this seminar next Sunday, May 20th, 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection, and hope to see you there. I wanted to announce the book of the week, again, that I announced on Monday. It is actually related to communication, and it's called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. Difficult conversations. And uh, anyone who's heard me on the air knows how often I talk about having the uncomfortable conversations. And so difficult conversations is another way of basically talking about those same conversations, the ones that we avoid, the ones that are hard to have, but the ones that are so important for us to have in order to feel better ourselves, but also maintain and strengthen our relationships. And uh, I'm more than a third of the way in, and it's a great book that very clearly outlines some of the important concepts related to having these important conversations and also why we tend to avoid them and why they tend to go so poorly when we do. And the authors are from the Harvard Negotiation Project, and they have years of experience looking at what goes right and what goes wrong in negotiations and in difficult conversations. So looking forward to talking about that book with you on next Monday's show. I wanted to start off today talking about uh, something related to gratitude, but in some ways maybe the other side of gratitude. And we know that gratitude is very important for our mental health. And it sounds like something kind of hokey or... um, you know, sounds cliche to say it's important to be grateful and we should think, you know, if it's God or thank the world or thank the universe for what you have. And we hear that a lot, that I'm grateful and I'm blessed. And people will talk about that or on Instagram, put hashtag blessed. And we think it's really good to say you're grateful. But there really is research showing that being more grateful, showing gratitude, practicing gratitude and trying to achieve a mindset or an attitude of gratitude is very helpful for our mental health. And I'm very much 
uh, a believer of that from my own experience of what I've seen. And again, the research also shows us that, that it's not just something that sounds good or it's nice to say, but there's actual science backing it up. Similar to meditation, where many people for years thought it's just something that some people like or people like to show off that they practice meditation or mindfulness, but the science is now showing us study after study how helpful it really can be. The same is true of gratitude. So I'm all in favor of focusing on gratitude, of doing exercises like gratitude journals where every day you can write down a few things that you're grateful for or expressing gratitude to people around you often for no reason at all, not because, let's say, it's Mother's Day like this Sunday, but just sending someone you care about an email of why you appreciate having them in your life. These um, types of actions can be very helpful and actually have benefits on our own mental health and, of course, strengthen our relationships. But when I said I wanted to talk about the other side of gratitude is that I wanted to talk about how, although it's important to be grateful and to express gratitude, it doesn't mean that we can never complain or be upset about things in our life, which is sometimes the conclusion that people draw or the ways people talk about things in their life is that, well, if I'm grateful, then I can't complain, that they're incompatible or mutually exclusive. But this is not the case. This is not necessarily true. Even, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I can't complain. And although it's kind of a a saying or something that we just express in a conversation in response to something like, how are you doing? It does reflect in some ways this idea that, well, because you have good things in your life, you can't complain or nothing in your life is that big of a deal to complain about. So you shouldn't say anything, but I don't think that's true. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. This idea that we are allowed to be grateful or we can be grateful about things in our life while at the same time expressing things that we are unhappy with, uncomfortable with, or would like to see changed. That's okay. And the reason why people tend to do this, or one of the main reasons that I see, is that we have this avoidance of negative feelings, this avoidance of wanting to be upset or for other other people to express that they are upset. And because of that, we want everyone to say that they're okay all the time. This is also related to this idea of the obsession we have with happiness, especially in the United States and even maybe even more in cities like Los Angeles where everyone wants to talk about how happy they are and how everything is great and everything's okay and life is good and nothing's wrong um, and I'm grateful for what I have. And so there's this pressure to never complain or to say anything is wrong. Now, before I get into why I think it's okay for us to at times complain, I do want to add this, in a way, a precaution that it doesn't mean that complaining is always good or that if we dwell in our complaints and unhappiness, that's a good thing. Often what people say or we experience is we say, okay, we're we're at one side of the pendulum and then people think, well, we can't let ourselves go to the other side completely, so we shouldn't even start doing something. So I don't want to get sad because what if I'm sad all the time? So I'm never going to express my sadness. Or I don't want to complain about things because then I'm going to be whiny and just complain and focus on the negative. So I should never complain. But the whole point is finding that balance that I'm not in any way trying to promote complaining all the time or constantly looking for the negative. That's going to hurt us a lot and hurt our relationships. But it's about recognizing that we have to acknowledge and accept 
all of the feelings that we have and all the things we're experiencing, whether they are good or bad. And we have to be realistic. So I can be grateful about my health, that I don't have any serious negative thing going on in my health. But if I hit my toe against the edge of a table and it hurts like heck, I'm going to yell and maybe scream and be like, feeling pain and I have the right to feel that pain and it's genuine pain. I can experience that. So I can be grateful about my health, but also feel that pain at the same time. And that's okay. Or in our relationships, sometimes people say, well, you know, my husband or my wife is so good to me in these ways, so I shouldn't complain about the things I'm unhappy about. Or I don't even have the right to complain is how people often feel. How dare I complain that she did this or did that or didn't do this and did or didn't do that and that hurts me because they've done so many good things. But that's not how things work. If you hire a nanny and they're very good at what they do, they take care of your kid. But you don't say, well, they fed my baby and they changed my baby and they did all these things. So I can't complain that they left my baby at the park and came home. No, you're going to complain. You're going to be upset and you forget really about those other good things because the bad thing they did outweighs that. So there's no, I'm ungrateful that they fed my child because I'm saying, how dare you leave my kid at the park and come home? That's more important and very important. And it could be both. And of course, maybe it's not even that extreme. Maybe you're grateful, okay, you fed the baby, you changed the baby, but I saw one time the way you talked to my baby was really negative or really had a lot of anger and I didn't like that. So you can be both grateful for the good they did, but also unhappy about something that's important for you and that's worth expressing. And that's what I'm talking about here. So we have to be able to accept the good and the bad and that there is good and bad and that's okay. Acknowledging the bad doesn't mean we ignore the good. In a way, this actually reminds me of uh, Monday's show where I was talking about borderline personality disorder and the borderline personality people split. Individuals who have borderline personality see people as all good or all bad, that you're either the angel, the best thing that came into my life and my hero, or you're this evil, manipulative, mean person that hates me and is trying to ruin my life. And it's hard for them to see an in-between. And I think, although not all of us have borderline personality, there's ways that sometimes we do the same type of splitting or that splitting becomes more common in society or culture. And this is one of those ways that we have to see things as all good or all bad and that I'm ungrateful if I complain. And this is something I see all the time in therapy. People come in and you start talking about their past and they might say, oh, you know, my mom was very critical and it hurt me. And then because they want to, one, not go into that negative feeling because sad feelings can feel intolerable for many people. And two, there's a guilt that they feel they're blaming their mother for ruining their life or blaming their mother for doing something bad. And that can be hard for them for many reasons, including an idealization they might have. Maybe they have so much anger that they don't want to get into that anger. But for whatever reason, to escape that feeling, what they'll say is, but you know what? My mom was so great. She did so many things. Like, I can't really complain about that. And then they get away from that negative feeling because they don't want to go there. Or they'll say something else, but you know what? You know, my mom was critical. That's not such a big deal. Other mothers are abusive and do this, or they leave. My mom was always there. So we take away the negative or try to just eliminate, remove, or deny that it's even there and then shift to something positive or shift to how someone else has it more negative than us. Neither one of which, in my opinion, is going to be helpful for you. 
it's important to be realistic with what you're dealing with. Going back to your health, you can't say, well, you know, I'm having this nagging pain, but people have it so much worse, so let me ignore it. No, you have to acknowledge it and see, is it something serious? Is it something that requires medical help and attention because it can get better? And you have the right to deal with your pain. Your pain always is worth acknowledgement and is always worth getting help. Uh, I also extend this analogy to say if you go to the doctor, let's say you were in a car accident and you broke your leg, you're never going to have the doctor come up to you and say, oh, you have one broken leg? The person next door has two broken legs. I don't want to even look at your leg. Who cares about your pain? People have it worse than you. No, they're going to attend to your pain, attend to your wound. And so we can do that in our own lives. So when it comes to our relationships, we have to accept that there can be good and bad, or there is good and bad, and that we are allowed to be grateful and upset about certain parts of the relationship. And it's important for us to face that. And so both as the person expressing it and the person receiving it, People will say, oh, how dare you be mad at me about this after all I've done? You can be very grateful for what someone has done, and we should express that appreciation and that gratitude, but still be upset about something else that they've done or haven't done. And we need to have that balance in our relationships. So it's okay to complain. It's okay to be unhappy. It doesn't mean we're ungrateful about what's been given to us or how people are treating us or what's going on in our lives. We can have both at the same time. That balance is very important and it's important for us to recognize that and not believe that I'm somehow a bad person if I'm complaining, which is what people conclude. I should be grateful. How dare I complain? Again, do both. Express lots of appreciation, a lot of gratitude. If you're in a relationship, you should be saying nice things much more than you're saying not nice things, or you should be showing appreciation much more than you're sharing things you're unhappy about, but you can do both. We want to make sure the balance is more in the positive, but it doesn't mean we have to completely remove or eliminate the negative. We can feel both or experience both of those things. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hi. Do you have my uh, Yeah, it's a, well, it's coming in a little bit low, actually. I don't know if you're on speaker or if you can speak louder. Okay. So, um, uh, so um, um, uh, two things uh, I would like to discuss with you one of them is, is if you uh you 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 you, you um I, I know you are interested in in books or or uh movies or songs that are uh that have some, you're, uh, so, uh, so uh, you're okay. i think it's your reception you're coming in it's cutting in and out okay so let me relocate myself is, is this better now it already got better yeah so, uh, yeah, there, there may be some no background noise then. So, yeah, yeah there's a song that I, that I believe you will be interested in, uh, uh, and that's called One More Ride on the Merry-Go-Round. Okay. It's yeah. an old song by... by it's basically the content of the, of the song is that 
even if you are very successful in life in and in, in uh, adolescence uh if you have not had a good childhood and a happy childhood still life wouldn't you wouldn't feel good about life so i guess this is a song you'll be interested okay, in okay thank you i wrote down the name i'll, I'll check it out and yeah. we're still you know your your voice keeps come your voice does cut in and out a lot unfortunately i don't know if okay so relocate again uh, so the the um, the other thing that I was going to discuss with you today is kind of related to the topic that you that you uh, uh, started your program with uh, today and that's uh, how to how to uh, the communication basically mm-hmm. I um, have a I have a, a, a number of problems uh, with uh, my wife mm-hmm. And uh, those I have, uh, those are mostly habits that that she has or she doesn't have. And um, basically, what I'm hoping to uh, do is to is to start a negotiation with. Uh, and I've kind of listed those habits. Okay. So um, what I would like to do is to discuss with her uh, those habits. And the fact that I'm not happy about um, uh, about those uh, okay. existence. Sure. L- give me a little background. How old are you and how old are, is she and how long have you guys been married? Um, um, I'm 51. Okay. And um, uh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Uh, and, um, and she's uh, 40. Okay. And uh, we've been married for... Uh, uh, around 13, 14 years. Okay, and you guys have any children? Yeah, we have three kids. Okay, all right. Okay, go ahead. So you, you're saying you want to talk to her about some, what you're calling bad habits that you feel she has or doesn't have things she does or doesn't do, uh, and you want to know maybe how to bring them up to her. Yeah, yeah. so basically these are the, the habits that I'm basically suffering from. And uh, they are some of them are related to you know it's it's between it's it's maybe related to to herself but some of them affect me and kids so uh, and I, I I I want to I want to discuss and start a negotiation and express my uh, my um, frustration mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, having listed those. Uh, uh, I don't know if that would be a good idea to to bring everything. And those are the the, the, the things that I have already discussed with her previously. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I now I have listed them. Okay. So I don't know having uh, listed them on a piece of paper would make things. Uh, better or worse and um well it i mean i don't know if that's better or worse it's good to have maybe have your thoughts organized um but it's going to be how you bring things up is very important and also before you bring them up uh really coming to terms with your own understanding of what you feel what you're experiencing and also even what you might contribute to some of these behaviors that she does or doesn't do 
because what I'm hearing from you already, and I want to let you continue to tell me more, is that you're basically trying to confront her to tell her, look, here's what's wrong with you, or here's all these bad things you do, let figure it out, rather than, okay, here are some things I'm unhappy about, but I want to see how we together can make them better. So it's going to be a lot better if you make it a conversation rather than a list of demands or just things that you're throwing all on her. So I want you to be aware of that. And then also being aware of your feelings going into the conversation with each one of the things you have on your list, what kind of feelings does it bring up for you? What does it mean for you? And even for yourself to explore more deeply, why might these things be so significant for me? So maybe it's something from your own past or history too. So that could be good to help you go into that conversation more well-equipped to have it go well. But maybe you can share with me some of these things that you've listed so I get an idea of what, what you're unhappy about. Okay. For example, one of them uh, being that every time we go shopping, uh, I prepare a shopping list. And I, to be honest, I don't remember in these 15 years or 14 years that we've been together, um, um, uh, I, I hardly remember any time that we have followed that shopping list. So we list everything. So the shopping list is either forgotten or when we take it to the, to the store, even if it take, even if it goes to the store, because a lot of times you know, it's also left in the car or something. And uh, um, at the end, we end up, you know, not having bought a bunch of items that we had listed as, as needed. Okay, but so so, uh, so do you feel like she doesn't care about the list you've made? Um, the thing is that she relies on her memory that is not is is, is performing good basically, but not hundred percent. Uh-huh. So uh, basically, yeah, that that becomes a scenario. And at the end, when we get home, then whenever we need those items that have not been. Okay, so let me let me ask you a question. Why don't you bring the list? I, uh, um, a lot of times she goes to to most of the, a lot of times, if not most, she she goes to she goes shopping by herself. It's not only me, but I I I put in I, I've put in a few uh, a few uh, uh, um, um, procedures in place, uh, if I can call them procedures, or uh, I, I, I've. I've uh, bought a bunch of stationary things that make that easier to to list uh, what you need. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes I, I I text her on her phone what we need, but mm-hmm. unfortunately that becomes overlooked. And at the end, I notice that you know a bunch of items are missed. That's like one of them. Okay, but I mean, and so. As is the case with a lot of issues that couples will have, although we're talking about grocery lists, it's not about groceries that I think you're upset about. It seems that you are saying you're you're expressing that you feel she doesn't care about what you want or how you want, let's say, something to be done, but even what you feel like you want or need, you think she ignores that. Does that sound... No, this is is, is the, the, the items on the list are similar to this. These are simple things in life that I believe makes our life smoother, but uh, 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 she doesn't follow them. And for that reason, um, 
sometimes it, 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 it causes problems down the road. Okay. But what I'm getting at is how do you feel about that? It seems like it makes you feel that something rather than just the smoothness of life. Yeah, so basically, basically uh, frustration and the, 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 um, the um, um, uh, lack of importance possibly. Yeah, I think it's more, well, that's the feeling I'm getting is not just about the life goes more smoothly. It's that you feel like she doesn't seem to care what you think or what you want or what you are giving her that advice. So it feels like you're ignored or not being heard. Yes. Okay. And that's what I I, I collectively call that frustration. Yeah. But I mean, and I, I get that, but I want you to even dissect it more than just I'm frustrated because it seems like it's, we can be frustrated by a lot of things, but, and there's a lot of un- emotions underneath that frustration, but it seems like not being heard, her feeling that she doesn't care about what you think or want or your input and feeling ignored, which that's the part I think that doesn't feel good. And that's what I meant when I was saying for each of the things you have on your list to look at them a little bit more deeply, which is kind of what we're doing right now, because it seems like it's just about groceries, but as we can see, it's probably about things that are much bigger and deeper and also might show up in other parts of the relationship. It might not just be about groceries where you feel like she doesn't listen to you. It might be in other areas of life, in your feelings, in, in your thoughts. Does that, do you feel like that's true, that you feel like in other places she'll ignore you or won't give what you have to say or feel importance? Um, I came from uh, a big family and she's the only child. So basically I know that she's not, she doesn't, she doesn't sometimes, uh, uh, um, she doesn't have the skills to, to establish uh, um, an equal you know, relationship. Sometimes she, you know, she takes herself. Maybe she feels herself the higher end, you know, the higher side. Sorry, I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel you're not talking into the phone because your voice gets very quiet. So um, what I was saying is that she is she's the only child. Yes. No, I got that part. Sometimes she doesn't know how to establish an equal relationship. Okay. Well, I mean, that's pretty significant. So as you can see, this is why I know you started the conversation about habits, but I think it's more than habits. It's these bigger issues of my wife doesn't have space for an equal relationship or she doesn't listen to me about bigger issues than whether or not to get the milk, but maybe what you feel or what you think gets ignored. And that's, of course, going to be very significant. Uh, So that's why I think I think that's more important than focusing on the surface. It's kind of like, you know, someone says, I have a cough, and then we just give them medication that removes the cough, but really there's a virus underneath or bacteria that's causing the cough, and that's what needs to be addressed, or else some other symptom will show up or it'll just continue or come back. And so I think that's that's what I'm looking at. So maybe if we can even talk about it some more, you want to look through those lists of items and see the themes that are emerging because I'm sure there are some themes that are there but now what I'm also wondering this is kind of makes what you're dealing with complicated is that you want to talk to her about these things that are bothering you or upsetting you but you feel like she doesn't listen to you or care 
often about what you have to say or feel. So maybe that's part of your anxiety about having this conversation with her is how is she going to receive it or will she even allow me to express myself? Is that something that you're feeling? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attach anxiety to the, to the, to the discussion, okay. to the discussion. Um, uh, uh, um, I was going to start this discussion with, uh, with the so-called uh, conscious model to first acknowledge that, uh, that I know she, you know, she works and she, um, um, uh, also carries the, uh, the, um, the, um, uh, housework and chores and all these things and but tell her that these are the items that uh, over the time of, uh, of uh, um, uh, suffered from and I would like her to uh, consider uh, uh, working on those and, uh, and uh, um, so that uh, the uh, that, that that would improve our, our relationship if she also uh, um, uh, works on those habits. Sure, so but I wouldn't consider myself anxious. But, but, uh, maybe I'm, I'm I'm looking for a, a, a format or a technicality of you know putting words together to to start the negotiation without uh, without uh, uh, basically. Uh, well, but the, but but yeah. Okay, but there's a few words that stand out to me in what you've said. One was the word suffering. You said I've been suffering from these things, which I'm not saying you're not, but I'm saying that's a pretty strong word. And then if you feel like you've been suffering and for years, that's significant. Now that's something for you, you to be mindful. And then twice you've used the word negotiation, which means it's like you against your wife. And that's what I mean by, when I say anxiety, I don't mean you're, you're crippled by the anxiety, but really any type of uh, difficult conversation like this, we, almost anyone is going to feel some anxiety. And that's why you probably haven't had it up to now or haven't had that in this, the way you're talking about. So I think the anxiety to me would make sense and I would anticipate that you feel some anxiety, but I want you to recognize going into it, if you see it as a negotiation, that sounds very much like it's you against your wife, not me and you together, which is the attitude I'd hope you have. And maybe maybe you're not sure if she has that attitude or you're not sure she's going to be on your side. So you feel like you have to negotiate or even what you said is it's going to be better for the relationship. It's going to be better, almost like you're saying it's going to be better for her too, rather than saying, you know, I'm unhappy and this doesn't feel good. And I would hope that really matters to you as my partner. Just like if she was upset, I would want you to really care about that and want to see how you can work on it with her to make things better. So those are some of the things I'm hearing. And we're at a commercial break, but I want to give us some chance to explore things a little bit more. So just hang on the line. And we'll talk after the break, okay? Okay. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Velakwi. We'll be right back. back before the break room with the caller let's go back to him now radio hammer are you there yeah, I am. okay so uh you were talking before the break about 
you wanted to talk to your wife about some things you're unhappy about in the marriage, some habits, as you put it, that she has and also maybe doesn't have. And you guys have been married about 13, 14 years, so it's been a while. And you've mentioned at one point before the break that you've you have brought up these things to her before. So everything you're you have, you've talked to her about them before. Um, basically, so again, sorry the the phone. Your sound keeps breaking in and out. So just whatever it is, just keep it steady because I'm losing you mid sentence. Uh, kind of better. It was in and out there. Okay. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, these are these, 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 the list that I have prepared is not. Uh, I, I think no, none of those items are new. Basically, okay. these are the stuff that we have discussed over the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as they have been, <clears throat> I don't know if I can say ignored, mm-hmm. but not uh, taken seriously. This time, I put it into uh, a list that I can present to her and uh, and, uh, and uh, I'm just wondering if 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 uh, that that is a good idea to to put it put it into writing and discuss it well I, like I said I, I don't think putting it into writing is necessarily a bad thing it could be very good but I want to go back to this idea that or that feeling you have that she ignores the things you've brought up before so what how do you feel about that and have you expressed to her this feeling that that you feel ignored yes i have brought up the feeling and okay. i have discussed yeah. and what, what how do you how do you feel she responds well she uh, normally apologizes and after a while you know she she uh, she's good at that single item for a while and then it goes back to the to the old habit Mm-hmm. So you know, and and so I'm sure that doesn't make you feel that the apology is so genuine when it happens again. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't question the the the, um, the uh, sincereness of the apology and the bad feeling that she has. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that um, I myself am very good at changing habits. I get accustomed to something. I can, I can change it if I need to. Mm-hmm. But in her case, it doesn't seem to be an an easy. She, she, her mind maybe is more automatic, doing things automatic than than than. I, I, I'm more conscious about <clears throat> what I do, and uh, and uh, she doesn't have seem to be uh, um, uh, seem to have those, that that skill. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you feel like she doesn't always take you into account. Because even in the way you're describing it, it's that you can keep her in mind or keep things in mind, but she doesn't seem to do that, or you don't feel that she does. As I mentioned, the way I see it is that she she is accustomed to something mm-hmm. that I don't like. And when I discuss it with her, she agrees that this is not right, and she for you. And I really uh, don't want to keep bringing it up, but I don't know what is going on with the speaker. It keeps getting faint. So there's sometimes when you're talking, 
Like right now, it doesn't sound like you're talking into the phone. Okay, so what about now? Yes, like that. Yeah. Yes, just like if you can keep it that way, it'd be good because we keep losing you, and I can almost not hear um, hear what you're saying. Um, but so yeah, no, she gets accustomed to things, and and that's and then you fix. She has a hard time making a change. In general, do you feel like she cares about your feelings? She listens to you. She wants to hear how you're feeling. You can express yourself to her. Um, I think she does. She she does care about the feeling, and uh, and uh, um, um, but as I mentioned, these are my impression is that these are these are just a matter of habits and getting you know change the the the, the getting used to habits and, mm-hmm. and not being able to switch out of those habits. Sure. Okay. Like myself, you know, I've, I've, you know I, I actually maybe. Less than a year ago, I noticed that I'm doing something when, when, when that I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the correct one of the many movements when, when I'm doing toothbrushing is not right. So I changed it. And mm-hmm. I'm now used to the, the new style. But in her case, you know, if she has specific, say, driving habits, a special, a specific way of doing chores, even even if you convince her that there are more efficient ways, they are correct ways or there are other ways that are better she cannot she, 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 she cannot totally uh, switch to the new 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 things so uh, even if she does you know she does it for a while and then mm-hmm. goes to automatic mode she, mm-hmm. after a while she goes to the previous habit got it okay so you know I, I, I want also you know, your question was about how to prepare for the conversation or how to, you know, make it go as smoothly as possible. So is there any specific question or thing you want to discuss about that, about how to bring it up? If you, if you want to, um, if, you know, I've, one of the things, um, I'm, 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 you know, to find a gap that I can discuss this is even, is even a challenge with our busy lifestyle, you know, being, uh, um, busy parents um, to find that gap is is the problem first in in its own you know um, uh, nature and secondly the, to initiate the conversation how do I how do I talk her about such a list that that you know what I have you know listed these items that I'm um, um, not happy uh-huh. and uh, these are the things that you can do to to improve the the quality of our life, our relationship, and also um, uh, make things even easier on herself. Yeah. Okay. So again, you know, it, it seems very one-sided. So one thing I would say is that make uh, it it should come off more as a conversation than a list of demands. Uh, and it still sounds that way in how you're talking about it. Yes, I, I'm sure as parents of three kids, you guys are very busy, um, but you can let her know. There's some important things, you know, I wanted to talk to you about, and I just want us to try to find a time together to talk about it. So you, you have to make that time. And as as parents and as a husband and wife, you need to have time to talk. So if you guys don't have time to have a conversation, then you guys can't survive uh, the marriage. It's not going to work. And even as parents, you need to talk about parenting and all that. So there has to be space that you create for that. I would, of course, think it's a good idea to have this conversation not in the presence of the kids because it's possible emotions come up, things come up, and you want to be able to have that conversation with that privacy and that space. 
Um, but I still get that this feeling in, of that you were really unhappy because you, you keep the way you're talking about it, that there's a list. And even actually, I'm curious how long the list is. Uh, let me ask you that. How many things are on this list? 17 items. Okay. So look, you know, you're not happy. You're, a lot of things are bothering you. And you feel like you don't even have the space to share them with her, which, and, and you have brought them up, but I get the feeling you're not, you're not feeling okay. Have you, have you thought about, has divorce even crossed your mind or no? Are you so okay with things right now? I'm, I'm sorry, what didn't cross my mind? The, the, the marriage ending, divorce. Um, that, not seriously, no. Okay. No. But I mean, I get the feeling when you tell me there's 17 items on a list of things you're unhappy about, that you're, you're yeah. really unhappy. And again, you don't get this. I get the feeling from how I hear you talk that communicating with your wife and, uh, and voicing your concerns, there's not a lot of space for that. And I get that time is an issue, but I think it's more than about time. It's about the space that you feel like she either gives you or doesn't give you to talk about that because 17 things is a lot. And like I said before, my guess is there's going to be some pretty big themes that emerge. So this idea of, for example, not listening to you or not taking your input into account, maybe a bunch of them are related to that. So you can look at that and see if there's bigger themes and yes, then you guys can talk about specific techniques or habits and whatnot. But what I think is more important than the, specific techniques is the emotions underneath what's going on because how you're feeling is probably more important than the techniques because if you feel like she hears you and you feel completely understood and that she cares about what you have to say and makes you feel valued then if she forgot the groceries or something like that you won't be as affected by it but i i don't get that feeling from you because 17 items is a lot and it also tells me they've been adding up because yeah everyone's gonna have things about their partner they don't like or that they do that they don't like but it just seems like your list is building and building and building and you're just carrying that within you and that's to me the bigger problem okay so um what's your what's your conclusion well i'm my conclusion is well let me ask you this are do you feel happy in in the marriage um, not as much as I wished. Okay. And do you feel like your wife knows about your unhappiness? I, um, I have maybe not put it into words directly as I'm not happy with my life, mm -hmm. but I, I've, uh, I've, uh, whenever, uh, those, um, habits, uh, or those things, um, um, surface i normally mention to her that <laughs> this shouldn't be like this right and her response for example one of, yeah. her, one of her other habits is that she she fits the kiss separately and off separately and i've told her that i don't like it to be this way i would like to have meal with my kids okay so she likes to spend time with me but i also like to spend time with my kids the thing is that the thing i guess as she cannot or she doesn't want to, you know, manage three small kids uh, while they are having their meals, she wants them to be separate, to eat separate. Mm 
and I eat separate. But I don't like that. To be, I, I, you know, I've told her that this is not how a family works. We need to have our meals together. We don't, you know, they have their breakfast on rush. You know, they have their lunch. You know, in the school, so at at, at least uh, we need to have the dinner together. Okay. And what does your wife say? Well, it, then you know she agrees. You know, and uh, maybe for the for the next three, four, you know, meals, this is this is the program. But gradually, it, you know, it becomes, you know, it, it switches back to the previous thing. I come, you know, I, I I'm, I'm called that when the kids are have had their own meals already. Well, you know, and this also brings up the issue before where you said maybe she takes on more of the burden of the housework, and so maybe you need to be more involved too. And that's why I was saying before that you want to look at your own contribution to these issues. And that's why when you're asking me how to bring these things up, if you bring it up as here are 17 things that you do wrong that you need to change, that's going to be a bad starting point for the conversation. But if you bring up that I have some, I have not been feeling good, and you need to have that space to express that to her. And unfortunately, you guys aren't the only couple where oftentimes they don't have enough conversations about what's going on and how they feel in the relationship. And it seems like you guys have that issue. Um, but if you make it more of a conversation of, I think we both con- contribute to some things that I'm not happy about, and I want us to work on them together, that's a much better starting point. But the conversation of here are my list of demands, and if you want, we can start to negotiate because I'm suffering, that's going to not be a great starting point. So that's why I want you to also look at for each of those 17 things you have. First of all, like I said, find the themes that are there. Secondly, for each one of them, how do you contribute to the issue? It's not about blame, but it's about contribution, so understanding how you also can be playing a part in them and and there's ways that you're contributing because you definitely are. And if you think it's just her that's the problem, that itself is an issue that has to be looked at, that the two of you are are contributing to everything that's going on. Um, But also, you know, really checking in with how you feel because even in our conversation at times, I felt that you minimized your own feelings or wanted to downplay how you felt. And I think you're you're feeling very unhappy, and there's big issues that you have. And then what's even worse is you feel unhappy, but then feel like your wife doesn't really take into consideration how you feel or won't care enough to actually make the changes. You feel that she cares, but maybe it doesn't feel like it's enough to make a change, or you say it's hard for her to make a change. Either way, you feel like your feelings and your um, the things that you care about don't get the weight that they deserve and so that's really important so for me the the list of the 17 it could even that even can be overwhelming to her if you sit down and say here are 17 things but i think that's again representative of how you're unhappy about so much and it's been building up inside of you and you haven't felt the space to communicate with her and that to me is even a bigger issue and you guys need to have more open and direct communication about what's going on and we can't let time be the reason why as a husband and wife, we have to make that time and make that a priority. That if we're not communicating enough, if we're not open with each other and expressing things, there's no way for this marriage to survive and there's no way that we can stay good parents to our kids. We have to have that space. Okay. Okay, so I I, I, I have uh, uh, basically have... Uh, um, uh, volatile, if, if I can say, the, the, the items that you mentioned. 
So one of them is to maybe find my contribution to the list. Mm-hmm. If I'm a contributor to that list, and the not even just not to the list, to, not even just to the list, to each item, to the item, right, to, to every item single one. That, that, yeah, yeah, that agreement, and basically uh, maybe call for a time for to discuss uh, um, or call a meeting or uh-huh. basically arrange with time to start that that uh, conversation. Yeah, and even more than that, in to have these types of conversations that you know maybe from what I'm hearing from you guys are not talking enough about the relationship and what's going on. So um, that to me is important. That it's not just we have to find time for this conversation one time, but that we need to make time to have these kind of conversations regularly. Because uh, another deeper issue I'm feeling is there's not enough intimacy and closeness between you and your wife as far as the emotional relationship goes. And that's a bigger issue that underlies a lot of what might be going on, that the connection isn't quite what you you guys need. And so that's why it's not just about this conversation, but conversations that you guys need to be having more often and more regularly. Okay. Yeah, and I know one, one, one big contributor to this is, 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 the, uh, is the how... Um, how Busy we are with these three kids. They don't, you know, the, their 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 activities and their, you know, the the amount of work that they need um, uh, attention. Um, they they doesn't leave us a lot of time left in in the in the 24 hours to to dedicate it to 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 ourselves. And that singles, you know, that the, the window that we have sometimes we you know we you know spend that uh, you know watching something together. To, you know the and it's not that we don't have fun together. You know, sometimes we dance with each other. Sometimes we, you know, like last week we went out together. So it's not, it's not that we don't have those in life. But to start hard negotiate that hard discussion. Uh, but I mean, that's what I, I, you know, we almost all. To, but you know, but almost all people avoid these conversations. So again, you guys aren't the only ones. But it's still there's still a level of avoidance that's going on. So I don't want you to give yourself time as an excuse. You have to make the time. That part I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know the you know the timeline of your days and weeks. But you have to make the time. It's like saying, okay, I don't have time to to chew before I swallow, so I have to just like inhale my food and then choke. No, you guys have to have the time to talk about the relationship if you want it to survive or else it's not going to work. So make sure you find that time with her. And maybe it's also that having these conversations, like I said, they make most of us uncomfortable and there could be some deeper communication issues you guys have. So I'd look at everything that's going on at a deeper level, not just at those 17 items, but but more at a deeper level, first of your own experience, but also what it's telling us about you and your wife's relationship and where you guys need to make improvements together. And again, make it a you and me conversation, not me telling you what's going on. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. Yes. Thanks for bringing up those issues. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Going into commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Dr. Holakui. Hi, thanks for calling. Uh, thank you for giving me the chance to sure, discuss my absolutely. problem with you. Um, so, um, I am 30 years old, and my husband is 34. And we have been living in the States for six years now, and being married for seven years. So, mm-hmm. uh, got engaged a year before coming here, and uh, we started our life, basically, in the United States. Okay. Um, so, uh, we had a very short time uh, knowing each other before the engagement. It was about six months. And because we were living in two different cities, uh, we didn't see each other uh, that much. But um, we kind of knew about uh, some that we were supposed to, but uh, we, I didn't want to because of uh, some, you know, cultural uh, limitations. I didn't want to have any close uh, and physical relationship with him by that time. Uh, as soon as we got engaged, we still were in two different cities, but um, we were seeing each other more. But still, uh, besides some uh, physical only, uh, relationship, uh, we didn't have uh, any sexual relationship going on there. And because we were so stressed that time, we were planning on uh, moving to this country. So uh, we, like, that was the last thing we were thinking about. Um, as soon as, but um, like, in that time when we were engaged, um, I figured out that he didn't like me to touch him very much. He didn't want to. Uh, be very close to me, uh, and the parties or family uh, gatherings or in the society. Um, and as soon as I like, I got close to him or I wanted to touch him, uh, especially touching uh, his hair, and like he didn't like like it, and he he was really pissed off. Um, he was very angry, um, and uh, he wasn't a calm, uh, normal uh, guy. But I, like, we thought that it was all because of the stressful situation we were in before uh, immigrating. Um, we started our life here uh, after the real marriage. And um, as soon as uh, we started our life, uh, I uh, discovered that our sexual relationship uh, is uh, about zero. And he doesn't have any interest in touching me or uh, he doesn't have any emotional feeling towards me and afterwards like after a couple of years I discovered that it was I, I think that's what I'm thinking it's about all women it doesn't matter um, he doesn't have any um, sexual uh, feeling about any woman um, so we didn't have any sexual relationship unless I was the person who wanted to start and I used to start, but it like it didn't take even five minutes because uh, he had a, a premature ejaculation mm-hmm. and um, like very very zero quality relationship. And um, so the first year, because because of lack of experiences and as the result of living in Iran in a small city. Um, I didn't know what was the problem, so uh, I didn't complain about it. 
regarding the, the subject that you were talking about. Uh, I thought, okay, we are we have started a hard life in the United States by ourselves, and uh, we have we are so stressed. We talk together, we are friends, uh, we go everywhere together, we are happy. It, like I shouldn't think about that. It doesn't matter that we don't have any sexual relationship. Like every six months, um, and uh, but after a year. I thought that my self-confidence and self-esteem is hurt because I was looking for a problem in myself. Um, but uh, and I started talking about it, not directly, but just mentioning that I'm not happy. There, there's something going on here. There's something wrong between us. We are really good friends, and we help each other in everything. We are happy, and everyone knows us as a very successful, uh, educated, and nice couple. But I'm not happy. There's, there's something wrong here. He didn't accept it, and he said that this sexual relationship is not anything important in our relationship. It shouldn't be. It's just a part of it. And um, after that, I started um, discovering, asking friends and comparing, and I uh, made sure that it wasn't my problem and there's definitely something wrong. And I uh, asked him to go see a psychologist because that's what I did. And um, they told me that, no, this is not fine, and there's definitely something wrong, that a young couple like you don't have any sexual relationship every other six months, and you like you are the only one that wants it, and uh-huh. doesn't have any um, emotions and feelings uh, towards you. So um, it just continued like that after three years being here. Um, I... But, but what would yeah. he say? So you're saying, over, I mean, but but he would still say, no, there's no problem. We don't need to have a sexual relationship. Yeah, he was like, that's enough. We have enough. There, there's no problem between us. Why are you making this a big thing? This is not a big problem. It's just, just a little part of our relationship. And we are good in some other parts of our relationship. Sure. And, talk, and definitely sex is not a small part. It's a very important part of the the relationship so we don't want to minimize that yes being good friends is necessary to have a healthy relationship a healthy romantic relationship but it's not enough and it seems like with you guys it maybe stops at just being friends which is not it's not going to work for a romantic relationship so you absolutely are right the sexual relationship is important and for someone of his age to almost never have the desire and to have it as little as you're describing is an issue of course, there's a lot of reasons that could be behind it. Um, even you mentioned some about women. Does he is he attracted to men, or has that come up? Have you talked to him about that issue or anything related to that? Yeah, this is something that I've been uh, thought about. I haven't seen him having any relationship with any other guys, but uh, so this kind of situation made me think about it too. Uh, what I see that is that he is not interested in any man or any woman at all. Um, like, he's not interested in any sexual, like, anything related to sexual things. Um, like, even, like, movies that have a little bit of sexual scenes, he just doesn't like to watch it. Uh, so now, when you say he doesn't like to watch it, does he get angry about it, frustrated? Does he think it's something negative? No, he doesn't think it's something negative. He just gets angry about it. He says, like, why are we watching this? What is this? Just why are well, you watching that? Well, that's something that's negative, right? I mean, he's getting angry about it. 
Yeah, he gets angry about it. So and, what did, uh, have you talked to him about, I mean, does he have some kind of moral judgment about sex being bad? It, was his family very religious? No, no, not at all. Okay. Do you know if he has any history of sexual abuse? Uh, that I don't know. That um, after talking to a psychologist, uh, I asked him about it, and mm-hmm. he just he just remained silent. He didn't say anything. He said, "No. Why are you asking me this?" Okay, so he didn't uh, remain silent. He said no. Yes. Okay, that's very yeah, different. Yes. Re- okay, remaining silent would mean actually would make me think like he's saying yes, but he said no. No. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. Okay, no, it's okay. I just want, okay. So, um, although, I mean, we don't know, but there's something definitely, for him to have zero sexual desire is uh, is puzzling, and definitely it seems something is quite not okay. Now, when you guys do have sex, even that few times that you do, does he enjoy it? Does he say he enjoyed it? Is it pleasurable for him? Does he reach orgasm? Well, uh, the few times that we had a few years ago, because we haven't had any sex like for two years now but a few years ago the few times he uh, that was my problem the first time we had sex he did he like he didn't seem like he's enjoying anything and i asked him i was like why are you like this you're just like a uh i don't know you 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 don't act like a human that is having sex you're just staying silent and just doing nothing and waiting for me to be active and doing something and um he was like, no, I'm not. Why are you thinking like that? And the next time that we had sex, he was trying to exaggerate that. And I felt that. I was like, okay, don't exaggerate anything. Uh, I got it. But no, he, he doesn't seem like he's enjoying it. He just he seems like he has to do it. Mm-hmm. And have you guys gone to couples therapy together? Uh, I am going to right now because besides the sexual relationship that we didn't have, I am not the same person I was before. I was the happiest, the most hopeful, goal-oriented, and then, I don't know, I was the happiest girl ever. But um, I, I had very high confidence uh, and high self-esteem, and I was really, I was doing really good. I loved my life. But, like, after that two years that I spent like that, I, it really hurt my self-esteem. And now I, I am a really... Um, quiet girl that doesn't have any goals in life and it's, mm-hmm. it's not like doesn't want to live anymore um, and I believe that it's because of this uh, I did have you, been did you, so disappointed of sure. life. Did you say I don't want to live anymore? Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I just I don't have any goals. I okay. just want to let it go just like this. Well, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not happy at all. Sure, which I can, you know, it seems like there's a lot missing there in the marriage. I don't think it's just about the sex, but that that is a big part. Um, and what you're experiencing is what many people experience when they have a partner who has little or almost no desire. We think it's something about us. We take it personally, but you know, I want you to know it doesn't seem at all to have to do with you. Um, uh, seems to do with your husband, but I can understand how it's affected you in that way. Let's yeah, I, that's why I'm going to therapy to yeah. help myself. I know the sexual thing is not gonna be um, I don't know repaired or be fixed because he's not doing anything to it. And I have told him that I don't want to continue this life and I want to get divorced two years ago, and I wanted him to go to therapy. He didn't want to. He said therapist uh, is not knowing more than me. And they're not going to help me. And he didn't do anything about it. He tried to take pills and use some sprays um, to help him delay. 
but uh, they didn't work at all. And the first session, he went to therapy. He just didn't want to go again, um, and he just stopped going to therapy. And like mm-hmm. after two no. years, that I have told him that I'm gonna, I'm gonna get divorced. He didn't want to like he has not done anything about uh-huh. it. So now you I mentioned yeah. So well, and that's not going to work. But I understand that's where you've come to the conclusion there is the issue of you're saying he finished early the premature ejaculation that there's a performance issue but it seems that there's more more to it than just that so we're i have to go to a commercial break just hang on the line we'll talk a bit after the break okay sure thank you all right you're listening to in session with dr fatter delacqui we'll be right back For the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Okay. So you've been talking about uh, you and your husband and the very minimal sex life you guys had from the beginning of the marriage, um, every six months or so, and then now it's been two years, no sex. And this is definitely is an issue. And your husband keeps denying the significance or the importance, but it absolutely is important. And even... If he wants to say it's not important for him, which I think it's not true, but the fact that it's important to you and it's bothering you should make him take it seriously. But you're saying he doesn't and he says that therapists can't know more than him or don't know more than him. So they're not going to help. But even before saying they're not going to help, he's saying there's not even a problem, right? Yes, and uh, his excuses were the, the first year that I was complaining about it was that he was tired, uh, I had classes, I had studies, I was just back from work, I, I was so tired, I was so stressed over financial situations and stuff like that. And right now he says that I know uh, my limitations, I know that I have uh, not been a really good partner for you in sexual relationships, uh, then that's only because of my premature ejaculation that I didn't want to get close to you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings uh, because of the quality of the sex that I can give you. But I'm pretty sure that it's just an excuse that he has found to give me. Yeah, because then you guys can work on that and there's other ways to give you pleasure and there's ways to work on the premature ejaculation. So it seems like, uh, yeah, it does sound like an excuse and that he actually doesn't hasn't put effort into making things better. Uh, now we can understand from his perspective, he's maybe very sensitive about it. There's maybe guilt or shame he experiences around this issue, but definitely something's going on. If at his age, he has that level of um, sexual desire, really almost no sexual desire, something's definitely going on. Uh, and I can understand it bothering you. It, you guys need to have that part of your relationship. Now, when you say couples therapy, he's completely opposed to it. Um, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Well, that puts you in a tough spot. How are other things in the relationship? Um, well, since, um, two years ago, I started to picking up on other things, too. Before that, I was just ignoring everything else, uh, because I was like, it's okay, just, this is, this is how life is. Everyone Mm -hmm. is just like us, and just let it go like this. But, 
afterwards, like, I started to picking up on other stuff. Like, uh, in my idea and my family's idea, he is a very lazy person. Um, as a man, he doesn't, like, he doesn't, he just wants to stay home. He doesn't like to work. He just likes to go out and have fun. Just he hates working. Um, and he, like, he doesn't look like a man. Like, I mean, his behavior and everything else doesn't look like a man. He just, he's so dependent on me. And everything in this life has been dependent on me. I have been the person who has worked more, who has worried more about everything. The, I don't know, the credit cards, the loans, the financial situations, and anything else in the life, and he hasn't uh, picked up any responsibilities. And uh, this is annoying me right now, too. Mm -hmm. So what keep, you know, we, when you were talking at the beginning of our conversation, you made it seem like we're such great friends and things are so good other than the sex life. But I, I yes. don't get that feeling from what you're saying now. We are still actually, we are friends and we talk a lot. Oh. We talk a lot okay. about everything. We are friends, but... There are lots of things that is annoying me in the life now, and it it has made it in, um, like uh, I don't know intolerable for me, uh -huh. and I feel like I'm facing depression now because I'm not that the person that I was, and I'm not happy about it. I like uh, right now I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit on the couch and think, and uh, like I don't want to even go out, and I don't have any motivations. And I'm just, I'm, I think I'm in the border of uh, being depressed and having depression. So I just want to help myself because I'm pretty sure that the life is not going to change for me. And at least I cannot change him. And he doesn't want to make any changes. Well, that's the, yeah, so, that last part's the biggest problem is that he doesn't want to make changes. You know, that makes you, I can understand that makes you feel very stuck. If he was willing to work on it, he wanted to, to face things, but it seems like he doesn't want to face any of the realities. He might be severely depressed or dealing with some other issues too, the way, you know, the laziness. Sometimes people don't have a work ethic and they are lazy. So I don't want to say that never exists, but there's also a lot of times anxiety or depression can make someone appear very lazy. But something seems to be wrong. He's, he's just not in facing reality in a lot of ways and maybe even the way you describe that he just wants to have fun he's not really in a any kind of connection with the real world he's just living in this fantasy um world where he doesn't want to face any issues or face anything going on so i can understand your frustration and if you're saying he doesn't want to even try and you're feeling really really unhappy in this marriage then your thoughts of divorce or ending the marriage can make sense and and can seem like a very good choice if he's not willing to make any efforts to make things better because like i said before if we're in a marriage even if we don't see something as a problem if our partner is very upset about something our partner is very hurt we have to take that seriously we have to care about that even if we don't see the problem the same way their emotions and their unhappiness should always matter to us but it doesn't seem like you get that from him yeah yeah, and the other, on the other side, he doesn't want a divorce. He just wants to keep me in life. I don't know why. I have been asking him, why do you want me? And I feel like because he's so dependent on me, mm -hmm. and he thinks he has already started a life with me, and he doesn't want to face this problem with someone else again and start over. So he, that's what he told me, actually. He said, okay, if this is my problem, I'm going to have it with anyone else. So with everyone else, so I don't want to start another life. I just want to, I love you, 
and we are used to each other, we are good friends, and let's continue it. But that's not what I want, because I'm right. not happy, and this is, this is my concern. I'm just not happy yeah, anymore. But, right, and even what he expressed had nothing to do with you. I mean, you didn't even exist in what he described. I'm going to have this problem with other people, so hey, you, you just stick around, because I'm going to have this problem. That, that's for him. You don't have to stay with him just because he can't be with anyone else. And that tells me a dynamic that I felt when you say something like, no no one, the, the therapist doesn't know better than me or the doctors won't know better than me. He does seem to have a selfishness or either a narcissistic type of mentality or personality where he only sees his side of things and doesn't see, well, if you're unhappy, then you shouldn't stay in this. You're not his... Um, property or you don't just serve as some function for him you're a human being but somehow you're also accepting that that even if you're unhappy but if he wants this then you should stay for him yeah true all right thank you so much for your help Dr. sure sure thanks for Uh, talking and i hope you will you know i know you're going to the therapy to explore that if he's not willing to work on it that that's a that, that's a big problem. But I hope you no, guys. I'm just working on myself to be that happy girl again. I'm just working on my self confidence and self esteem. But it could be possible that's that this relationship it. won't allow you to to really feel that happiness. Yeah. And if he again, if he, he's not willing to make your happiness a priority or something that matters to him, there's a problem. But I, I'm you know the way you're describing him, there seems to be a some selfishness that he can't see the other side or he can't face the issues either way he can't give value to what you're going through and that's always going to be a problem correct yeah thank you so much sure, sure. the iranian community should appreciate you and your dad and whatever you do for us oh thank i appreciate so that it's a pleasure to, to get to talk to people like you thank you for your call yeah my pleasure All right. take care you yourself. too you know something in a way related to what she brought up um that often happens in marriages and talking about difficult conversations is that they don't talk about the sex life at all. And I've worked with people who have been married many years and they've never once talked about sex. If they're happy, if they're unhappy, if they're satisfied, if they want more, if they want less, if there's things about it they like or don't like. And it's very important for us to have those conversations. People feel that maybe their partner will be offended Maybe their partner won't be able to handle it or that it's taboo to talk about sex, which many of us in many cultures, but especially the Iranian culture, we have that we're not supposed to talk about sex uh, or that sex is natural. So it should just work. Or if it doesn't work, it means there's some problem between you and that person or one of you has an issue. And that's not true. Just like any aspect of our relationship, the sexual relationship is not something that just works by itself without any type of Um, communication and our efforts to make things better we have to talk about it we have to work on it together we have to communicate are you okay am i okay what can we even do to improve it just because something's okay doesn't mean it can't be better there's ways to improve the relationship in every aspect including the sexual relationship so we can't ignore that and in a way i was talking about this with the caller we always have to show concern for our partner's feelings needs and what they're going through even if we see things differently even if we experience things differently we don't want to ignore them and if we care about our partner their sadness doesn't equal our sadness 
but it does mean we're concerned about it. We care and we're going to do something about that or at least see what we can do to talk about that. So if your partner is unsatisfied about something in the relationship, it's also up to you to talk to them about it and have those those conversations. But very importantly, if you're in a marriage or a relationship and you've never talked about sex, take that time, take that risk to have that difficult and uncomfortable conversation with your partner to talk about what's going on and what you can do to improve that area of your life, which is an important area of life. Uh, you can't have a romantic relationship without the sexual relationship. It has to be there. And without that, you don't have the full relationship that you need to have. All right, going into our last commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi, doctor. Thank you for having me on the air. Sure. Thanks for calling. Uh, okay. I have a question regarding my uh, daughter. She's 27 months old. Okay. I have another son, which is four and a half years old. And this is regarding um, her going to school. Uh, she started going to preschool almost six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And um, this was not a new concept to her because uh, my son was already going there and we were always uh, dropping him off or uh, picking him up from there together. And she always cried because she wanted to go, she wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, ever since she started, uh, she has been crying a lot at school. Um, like half the time she's crying um, that she wants her mom. Mm. And uh, she never had separation anxiety. I have been a staying-at-home mom. Um, I don't know exactly what to do with this situation. Okay. And so, you know, as much as you're saying it's not new to her and she seems so excited to want to go, and maybe uh -huh. it can seem surprising for you, okay, well, you wanted to go so much, why are you now crying? Uh, you know, the excitement of going to the school and the fun that she saw is different than the feeling she has when she actually leaves you and is, is alone there. And so the first thing I would say is we want to make sure, as we always do, is that we approach our child with a feeling and a stance of understanding, that we don't want to make okay. her feel bad about crying, you know, because I'm not sure if you say this, but I could see a lot of parents in your situation saying, why are you crying? You want it to go. You're ha you want to have fun there, you know, almost blaming the kid or getting yeah. mad at the kid. But it, it's different, you know, even she can like going but still cry when she's there. Just like we might go through something in life that some parts of it we don't like, but we still want to go to. Uh, or we think we'd like to do something, but when we experience it, we see we don't, or we didn't see the negative sides. You know, when she mm -hmm. showed up at school with you and sees the fun and she just imagines the good times, and especially she sees her older brother going and she wants to have what her older brother has, she might push for it and say, I want this, I want this, not really knowing the full extent of what the experience is going to be like. So the first thing I would say, which is true of any experience we have with our children, or really anyone, but especially with our kids, is that we come from a place of understanding and with that a curiosity of trying to understand rather than judge what they are doing okay so how okay. is your interaction has she said she doesn't want to go anymore or what's happening 
No, actually, every morning that um, I take her, she goes willingly. She goes very happy, and she just kisses me goodbye and then runs to the teachers and to other kids. And that's afterwards, like after an hour or so, she starts mm, crying, uh, whining. Um, I want to go home. I want my mommy. And then they, um, the teachers try to distract her. And um, she stops for a while, like for 30 minutes or so, and then she starts again. <laughs> and actually, she loves the activities there. She loves the painting and everything else. She, when she comes back home, um, she talks about those things, that it's very fun for her and she loves to do them. Um, but again, in the middle of the day, she starts crying and it's really bothering me. I don't know if I, I I'm, I'm sure that it's not a good idea to stop that, right? To stop, uh, to stop her going to school, right? Probably not. So you say it's bothering you? Yeah, I feel guilty that she's, hmm. she's crying there for me. Oh well, and that yeah, that that could be the part we have to look at. So it's not just about her emotions; obviously, your feelings too. Yeah, um, exactly. And so she says herself, she wants to go. Yeah, she, every day she goes very happily. Okay. I mean, yeah, she she doesn't cry that she doesn't want to go. Okay, no. that's every fine. Day she cries. Yeah. That I th- so I, mean, I think you know so so you know if she wants to go and if you were forcing her, that would kind of sound. Or if she was saying I don't want to go. That would make, to me, the situation seem different. But if she's saying she wants to go, but then she struggles, that's okay. You know, she sometimes cries okay. a little bit, but she gets comforted. That can be a part of her growing and learning to take care of herself emotionally to a degree that, okay, I'm a little bit sad, but then I can go have fun again. And those sad feelings don't last forever. They go away, and, and I can be okay. Mm-hmm. But your guilt um, is something that you need to look at because... A lot of times parents can feel like, well, my kids, I can never make my kids sad or my kids have to always be happy. But that's not, one, possible, and two, even what's healthy for them. Sometimes we're going to let them down or they're going to be upset or want us when we're not available. Um, and that can be okay as long as it's not to extreme levels and feelings of intense neglect or we're making them feel really bad about it. It can be okay. So it seems like this yeah, is more... want to make sure that... Um uh, her going to school um, and crying is not a very bad thing for her. I mean, uh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or it's wrong to leave her um, in this situation, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Well, what what do the teachers say? Are they saying her crying is out of control or it's... No, no, no. She's not out of... No, she's okay. not crying hysterically. Um, but she cries. It's not only whining, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, she cries. So what, the, so what do the teachers tell you themselves? Um, they said that it's, um, she's fine. Like, I drop her off around 8.30 to 9 a.m. She's fine by, like, 10.30 that they have their snack. And after that, she starts, um, remembering me that I want to go home. I want to be with mommy. And then they start doing something else. Like, they they start singing or whatever. And then she stops and then she starts again. But, um, the only thing that the teachers, um, told me was that, most of the time is when they ask her to do something or they ask her to follow them. Like, let's say, uh, let's go to wash our hands or let's go to do this and that. And then uh, when she doesn't want to do it and then they um, ask her to do it again, um, so she starts crying. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, it might not just be about missing you. It might be 
doing something she doesn't want to do or she's getting frustrated and then it makes yeah. her sad and then she thinks of you as maybe she wants you to comfort her and you're not there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that too. Yeah. And that yeah. that's what I'm saying. You know, if the way you're describing it is that she cries and as you said, it's not hysterical or it seems okay. I'm not saying I want your daughter to cry, but it seems like mm-hmm. it is tolerable for her. It is okay. And also she's learning more and more to be able to, to soothe herself. Now, of course, when you're around, you show her all sorts of love and affection and attention and that you care about how she's feeling. But some of the times kids have to learn to deal with their feelings to some degree on their own or some level. And so to me, that can be okay that she's a little upset or she gets frustrated. She cries a bit. I mean, look, if you have a two year old, they're going to cry every day. Right. I mean, there's not going to be a day where she won't cry probably at least once so crying Actually, it happened two weeks for two weeks mm-hmm. she's uh, when uh, let's say she started uh, six weeks ago after three weeks for two weeks almost two weeks or maybe 10 days she didn't cry at all mm-hmm. and then she started again okay and that's why we, you know we want to again going from that stance of curiosity try to understand what's going on was there any change in teachers or in the way things were going is no, a- nothing. Okay. Is anything different in the home? Um, no. Okay. How are things in the home in general with you and their father and, and how? Everything is perfect. I mean, except for her and her brother that they get to fight a, a lot during the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but everything else is okay. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I know you used the word perfect and I don't want to harp on that too much, but, you know, nothing is perfect. There's probably some things yeah, going I mean, on. <laughs> but if there's nothing significant going on, that's no, good. I, not anything. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we, we don't know exactly what's created this change. Sometimes there are maybe even changes in school that you're not aware of, of the routine or, or, or small things that have happened, or I'm not sure what else, but something else could have changed at school or at home that, that's leading to that. But I want you to have that feeling or that mindset of curiosity that something is leading to this change if there is one but that it's okay um but then also the more you get anxious about this or let's say if she comes home and she says she cried if you overreact to that that is actually going to make it worse rather than better so you want to show her you care so she says oh mommy i got sad because i missed you first of all you want to make sure she knows you missed her too you were thinking about her and carrying her with you as far as in your you know, in your head and in your heart, she was with you. Um, and you want to show her you care about how she feels, but you don't want to overreact. And sometimes uh-huh. parents, both because they just get so emotional and they don't want to see their kids sad, and also sometimes this feeling we have in lots of cultures, including Middle Eastern cultures, that if you care about someone, you show a strong reaction to anything that happens to them. Parents can react too much. So the kid says, I cried, and they can go, oh, and they get so intense and so much that the kid, one gets overwhelmed gets anxious and then doesn't know well one should i cry or not cry does mommy not like this and it could just make them feel even worse so if she does tell you she cried or if you find out she cries you want to respond to it and show that you care and have that response but your job is to try to contain her feelings too so stay with her but don't make it a bigger deal than it is but the guilt that you're carrying with you might make you react more strongly to these incidents or when you hear about them but to me, you know, kids crying at preschool, it happens. Or, to, you know, this is something that it could, if she's not extremely distraught, if she's not upset, if she keeps wanting to go back, then it seems like she's okay. So she's telling you, you know, Mom, I'm okay. This is a little bit uncomfortable, but I can handle it. 
And that's something as she gets older with both of your kids, you want to make sure um, we, we care about our kids. We obviously don't want to overprotect them from experiencing the ups and downs and the pains and the bumps that they experience in life because those are going to help them grow when they're small mm-hmm. enough for them to handle and they learn from them. So if she's telling you, I want to go, she's okay. And I think, you know, we, we want to listen to her in that way and that you make sure she feels okay. And it seems like you're saying the separation is okay. She doesn't cry when you say goodbye. Is no, that right? she doesn't. She okay. kisses me and she says goodbye. No, yeah. Okay, so that's good. It seems like, you know, we want to look at what else is, is going on. And if you can um, hopefully accept that it's okay and r- reduce that guilt... It'll make it easier for you to even explore things with her, you know, if you can talk to her about, okay, so what happens if it comes up? You don't need to make it a big deal. But if she says, oh, I cried today at school, try to understand, oh, well, what happened? And so she can say she missed you and say I missed you too and whatever yeah, she, else. She, you know, first thing she says me, um, she tells me that, that I cried, I wanted you, hmm. I wanted to hug you, yeah. But she, she and what do you, me what do you respond, how do you respond to that? Also, oh, uh, oh my God! I um, I missed you too. Now I'm with you. I told you I'm gonna come soon, um, like that. Okay. And then she forgets about it the whole day, and then tomorrow repeats again. Okay, and that's okay. And yeah, you could let her know. Um, you know, I missed you, and like I said, we want to make sure we don't react so strong because that could overwhelm the child. We show them that we care, and yes, I missed you too. And then you can even ask her, what made you sad when you were at school? And maybe she says, I missed you. Say, oh, yeah, and then you could talk to her about what happened or when did it happen. And you can start having these conversations that will slowly okay. help her understand her feelings more. You know, maybe okay. it, you know, maybe it's before nap time and she's a little bit crankier when it's about time for nap time exactly. and she gets that, uncomfortable. That's exactly, I think, uh, another issue too because she <laughs> always takes the nap you know, I mean, during the afternoon. So I yeah. always pick her up earlier so she can have her nap. At home. At home. Okay. Yes. Well, so, I mean, there could be something there, but even at school, what what makes her cry, we don't know, but we want to have a feeling of, okay, things are okay, which it seems like they are, and we want to try to understand it. But as, as I was saying before, part of our role as parents is to help our kids understand their own feelings better because it doesn't really make sense to them either. And so we have conversations with them about what they felt, what happened, and we explore with them and help them start to see, oh, you know, I was sad because I missed mommy, or I was sad because um, they told me to do something and I didn't like it that they told me. And you talk to her about Mm -hmm. it and help her understand. But overall, what I'm hearing is she seems to be okay, and especially she's telling you I'm okay going, and I want you to to listen to that. She's letting you know, Mom, I'm okay. And I want you to internalize and say, okay, Mom is not doing a bad thing by taking her kid there. She's doing okay. Thank you so much for your Sure. Time. Thanks for calling. Have Thank a great you. day. Mm-hmm. All Thanks. Right. You too. All right. We're coming to the end of today's show. I want to make another announcement for the seminar that I'm doing next Sunday, May 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection. The topic is communication for parenting and relationships. Admission is $40 at the door. So I hope to see you there next Sunday. And again, the book of the week for this week is Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. And I'll be talking about that on next Monday's show. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.